0: Whether you're looking to start your own side business or create a lifelong career, the process of starting a new business can be overwhelming. This week on the podcast, we're discussing how to start your own business. We'll dig deep into setting up your business for success from the beginning, and then answer some of your most common questions I receive about building and scaling your business. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Sydney. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma, and we're debugging the tech industry. If you work in technology, chances are, you've considered striking it out on your own and opening up your own freelance or consulting shop. Contract work offers more autonomy over your workday and it's a great way to gain experience in new industries and build your portfolio. But often becoming a freelance developer means you also become a bill collector, marketer, salesperson, and administrative assistant. And frankly, none of us have time for that. If you're looking for freelance or full-time work without all of that overhead, check out Gun.io. The team at Gun.io personally vets each client on the platform and pitches you to expertly match projects when you're open to new work. Get full support from the team on client interviews and let gun.io handle contracts, invoicing, and getting you paid on time. It's freelancing without the overhead and risk and with a platform partner who knows you by name. Apply to join today at gun.io forward slash ladybug. Whether you're launching your business or are ready to take things to the next level, building a seamless digital experience for your customers is a great place to start. But picking a CMS that integrates your website and marketing tools can be tricky. Cobbling together potentially unreliable plugins isn't ideal. Here at HubSpot, that's why we're thrilled to introduce CMS Hub Starter, a simple but scalable content management system built on top of our CRM platform for businesses that want to generate leads through their website. At $25 per month, CMS Hub Starter comes out of the box with all the standard features needed for a fast, secure, and reliable website. Plus, we handle the platform management so you can spend more time developing remarkable experiences. Learn more at hubspotdev.co forward slash start. Okay, so before we dig into the content, I did want to say I am based in the United States. A lot of my experience is based around being in the United States, so some of these recommendations are going to be very region-specific. So... On some of the tips that I'm giving, some of the things we're discussing, your mileage may vary. Uh, make sure you're doing research within your specific region, your specific country, to make sure you're meeting laws and regulations where you live. For sure.
1: This even changes by state in the United States, too. It sure does. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Does. That's
0: why I was like, and region. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> like,
1: we, So L- Ladybug is an LLC in Georgia, and my mm-hmm. LLC is an LLC in New Hampshire, and the whole process is—
0: different. So yeah, definitely think about that. I also have a, I have a C-Corp in Delaware as well. <laughs> there
2: you go. Oh my so, God. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What? I'll, oh, we can get into that. Yeah. yeah. We'll get into that in a little bit, but let's start by talking about our experience with running a business. Mm. Um, I will go last. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kelly, yours is going <laughs> to take like half an hour just to like, <laughs> introduce. Seriously. Um, but I, have my own LLC, We Learn Code, which houses my blog, my YouTube channel, all the types of third-party content that I do outside of work. Um, before I started my current job, it was actually my primary source of income, and then also Ladybug is a company, so I guess I have the experience with that as well. But can kind of speak to the running a company as a side gig. For this episode,
0: cool, Sydney. What about you?
2: So I have uh, four LLCs. One of them has to deal with my YouTube channel and extra content that I make. Um, one is for when I've done consult calls and consulting. Um, I have two of them just on the side, just to make sure that once I start uh, doing a couple of other things. Uh, with uh, my business for coaching, um, that those are kind of set up. And then just one for when I have done a little bit more of the real estate that I'm kind of getting into at this point. So uh, making sure that I have that kind of set up. Um, They're all like licensed in St. Louis and Missouri And so um, having to be moving to Georgia really soon, I have no clue how that's going to work because I think that you need like legally a physical address to like actually have like all the paperwork and all that fun stuff from the state of Missouri sent to you. So I'm probably going to ask you more questions about that. But uh, I do have four of them. They're all in the same state, but we'll see how we do when it comes to actually like putting them like upkeeping (laughs) them and like legally and stuff in another state. So that'll be fun.
0: (laughs) The good news is the state of Georgia is one of the easiest states to register a business. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Thank you. So I have Kelly Vaughn LLC, which is an LLC that's taxed as an S-Corp. I have the Mm -hmm. Tap Room, which is an LLC taxed as an S-Corp. I have Ladybug Podcast, which is just a plain old LLC, not an S-Corp. I have my new super secret company that I co-founded, which is a C-Corp. And I have a partnership for my other podcast, Commerce Team. So, Very
2: cool. Very cool. And we can't know the super secret just yet? Dang.
0: Not just yet. By the time this episode comes out, it'll probably no longer be super secret. But, oh, yay! You know, ho- fingers crossed anyway. Hopefully we'll be able to I can wait it. until
2: then. Yeah, I can wait until then. We'll see. That'll be
0: cool. That'll be cool. So we talked about a number of things here. Uh, LLCs, where to register. S-Corps, C-Corps, all these kinds of things we're going to dig into later. uh, But I'm going to start off this episode with some really super dry content (laughs) because I hate to say it, but you want to know how to start a business, you got to start from the beginning. And that beginning is putting together a business plan. Not fun, but it's actually really, really incredibly useful. Uh, It's important to note that this, this business plan is for you first and foremost. It's not for others. You need to know if you have a viable idea that you can actually act on. But the business plan is also going to be helpful for future stakeholders, people you bring into the company, future employees, but also investors as well. This is going to be like your overarching plan that you have, and it's going to be continuing. It's going to, it's a living document. It's something that's going to keep on. You're going to be updating it as the business pivots, as you add new people, as things change. Uh, you're going to include things like financials and stuff like that in there. So it is important to have this business plan. Uh, it is not something I have when I first started. It is something that we're, I, I kind of loosely follow even now, but I'm kind of going to walk you through the process of everything that needs to be in the business plan, theoretically. Yeah, I
1: would say this probably depends a ton on where you're at as a company. If it's something that you're just planning on being you, you could probably be a lot more informal with this. And but if you're trying to scale or maybe someday even go public or create a real startup, then you want to be a lot more formal with this. So, okay. I was going to
2: ask, like, it, it seems like depending on like what degree of where you're wanting to actually like make money, whether or not you're going to scale and actually like get more employees and things like, is it super important to actually have like all of these like money charts and like things to definitely like see where kind of your projecting where this is going to scale, where it's going to succeed, where, you know, you need to have a, a specific amount of money to actually like do anything? Is that like super important?
0: There are parts of it that are going to be important just for the sake of your budget and for making sure your bus- your business can stay uh, or to not dip into the red. And if it does, you know, if you do, you know, run debt, whatever it might be, knowing how much your run rate is, for example, which is how much each month you're you're charging to the company how much your operations are costing you, knowing how much you you need to be making to make sure that you're making more than your run rate, for example. Okay,
2: that makes sense.
0: But in things like your profit and loss statement, your balance sheet, your income statement, you're not going to have these documents when you first start because you're not making any money. But you are going to have things like if you're putting some of your own money into it, what is that owner's equity? How much money do you have in there? Business. It's really fun. <laughs> Accounting is really, really fun. Um, I recently took a course, I, I took three courses through Harvard Business School Online, uh, uh economics for managers, accounting and business analytics. Mm. And so my brain is just on this accounting spin right now. Um, not going to go too deep into it, but it's a really, really helpful program. Actually, if it's something that you're interested in doing and running a business and becoming an entrepreneur, uh, it's called the, uh, uh core credential, I think it is CEO in a, Core is what it's called. It's called uh, it's the credential of readiness. Oh, I'll put a link okay. to it in the show notes. It's just a it's like a seventeen week, or they have like a, a shorter program that you can do for these three classes. Mm. And you you tend to work together uh, on like with your other classmates so all over the world. It's it's a pretty cool program actually. I I enjoy doing it. Awesome. So awesome, good, it's good idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I also want to shout out Quantic, um, which is actually where I'm going to be getting my executive MBA. Uh, starting in October, uh, it is they actually have a free MBA program. Oh, you know, it's, it's all online, so the entire nice. program is online. It's on your phone as well. Oh, um, so it's a, it's a really unique program. But if you wanted to get your your MBA, you can do that for free. If you very nice, program, yes,
2: so. definitely put a link in the show notes for that. That's something that I want. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, really cool. I'm I'm really excited about it. I got accepted in February, and I. have pushed it out to start in October just mm. because I wasn't intending on starting in February since I had just gotten accepted into the credential of readiness program. Yeah, that's so so cool. can't do both at once. Okay. So overarching ideas for this business plan. First off, you want to be as objective and logical as possible. In other words, you're not really putting your, your hopes and dreams, your opinions into this. Mm. It needs to make sense. And we're going to, uh, dig into some of these things in more in more detail but you have to be honest with yourself when you're doing this is this actually going to be a viable idea Mm -hmm. is it something that you're going to be able to afford to start is it something that is going to be relevant moving forward or is it going to be something that you know the market's changing and it's just no longer something like you're not going to start a company that's creating floppy disks for example Mm, right (laughs) not really a good idea that'd be kind of fun though That'd be useful in maybe some case, but not not
2: for scaling to any like big, getting an IPO and all that fun stuff. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the funniest thing is nostalgia sells so yeah. well. Hard. Um, there are a number of companies that are like going deep into the uh, the like leaning heavily on nostalgia. Um, and some of these are existing companies as well. Like Sunbum has mm. been around for a very long time. They just recently released a product that is. I forget what they what they call it. It's literally just like, do you remember as a kid, potentially mm-hmm. or knowing people who would like put uh, lemon juice in their hair to make it? Wait, like, what? To add highlights. Oh, yeah, like it was like the, the easiest trick in the book. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sunbong okay. just it, released a product doing this. Again. Okay, that's what? too funny. <laughs> too funny. So there are all kinds of things that a, a lot of companies that are doing things like this. It's kind of fun. Vacation um, is a real. It's a com- It's literally a company called Vacation. Um, they had this whole thing about you can get a job, and uh, they had poolside FM, which is fun music. Oh my Worth gosh! Worth checking out. Oh, but so nostalgia sells. So you know, when I say that you can't buy floppies, I mean you could probably people would buy them and like repurpose them or something.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. Um,
0: the business plan should serve as a guide for your business's operations for at least the first few months. Sometimes up to a few years. Again, this is a living document. This is something that's going to be changing for a while, but it should be acting as a blueprint. Pretty straightforward. Uh, you want to be co- uh, communicating your purpose and vision, describing your management responsibilities, uh, what kind of personnel you're going to need, how you're going to be operating the company, like your overview of marketing, for example, who your competition is. And these are all sections within the business plan, but this is the what's going to be in there. And then all the financing pieces of it. So again, if you're going to be looking at raising funding, whether it's through venture capital, angel investors, friends and family, this serves as a document for measuring viability of the company from uh, an investment perspective as well. That
2: makes sense. Okay.
0: So there are a bunch of parts to this document. The first is the executive summary. Uh, this is usually one to two pages. Um, I don't recommend having it more than that. This is an outline of your purpose and goals. It's a brief overview of basically everything else that you talk about in here. It's, uh, if you've ever written a research paper that starts with like the abstract and it tends to like go through the the super high level po- uh, points, that's what this executive summary is. I usually go back and write the executive summary after I've filled in everything That's else. the way to go. So, yeah, intro and sense. conclusion yeah. last. Oh, exactly. I I just, I can't do the intro and conclusion first. I can't. Uh, The next part, overview and objectives. So you're going to be answering questions such as, who are your customers? What services are you providing to them? And what do you hope to accomplish by starting this company? So just overarching goals. um, What, what is the, what's the purpose of this? Why is this company existing? And I, I, A company could be many different things. We talk about service-based businesses like the tap room. We talk about product-based companies where I'm, you know, I wrote a book, things like that. I'm selling some physical thing or SaaS product software as a service. Um, There are many things that could fall under what what you're providing, but you need to know why you're starting it. Uh, To make money is generally not what you want to put in the business plan. It's, you know, intrinsically what I want to do. I would like to make money. But it's not the reason why you're starting the company, usually, especially if you're wanting to, you know, grow scale get investors, things like that? Uh,
1: Diving really deep on who your ideal customer is, is super important. A lot of times it'll expand past that ideal customer that you have when you're thinking this up. But having that person in mind that you're tailoring your stuff to makes it so that it really does resonate with somebody. So I have a huge document on who my Persona is that I reach out to with my content, with my blog. And it's very mm. specific. It's like a beginner programmer who maybe just graduated from boot camp and is feeling all sorts of imposter syndrome. And then I wrote down the different right. issues that they're facing, the technical aspects, the career search op, uh, aspects, the emotional side of it. And so then I target all of my content to those people. And so I think really diving deep on who those people are will make it so that you relate to them more. And you can also, there's like that slogan that's like the riches are in the niches or whatever. And so if you have that really specific view of who these people are, you have a much better chance of targeting them than just being this general purpose product that's for absolutely everybody. Because then it's probably too broad and you're not going to find anybody.
0: Exactly. And we'll get a little bit more into this in market opportunities as well. So the next section is products and services. Specifically, what are you offering? Is it a product? Is it a service? How much are you going to be charging for this product or service? If you're creating a new product, how long is it going to actually take to bring into the market? These are the types of things where you're going to be talking, you're going to start researching like who your vendors are going to be, what partnerships you need, what services you need to actually bring this to to the forefront, be able to start selling this. Um, some of the details you'll you'll get into further down, but you'll notice there's there's going to be some repetition here as we're kind of moving through these sections because it's hard to separate out each of these individual ideas into their own sections. There's definitely overlap. So consider it, you know, helpful to have content moving forward or something like that when you get to a new section.
2: And it seems like you need to have a lot of this kind of research already just down pat, at least like, a, a timeline, a better like state of your timeline, your mindset kind of going into like who you're going to serve, what exactly the service or product is that is going to be distributed, like how you're going to do that, wh- when it's going to happen, what type of timeline are you looking at when it comes to actually like creating something to actually being able to distribute it to customers? It sounds like that is really going to be important for to elaborate on for the products and services, sounds like.
0: Exactly. So the purpose of this document, the purpose of this business plan is to make you do this research. Okay. That makes sense. Instead of just kind of jumping right in and hoping things work, which a lot of businesses do. It's no surprise that a vast majority of businesses fail in their first year.
2: Right. Because
0: for for a number of reasons, but a lot of the things happen because they didn't do proper research in one one or many of these sections. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So the next section is market opportunities. And as Ali mentioned, talking about who your ideal customer, you need to know how big is your market? Is it, is the industry new? Is it stable? Is it declining? Again, are we going to be creating floppy floppies right now? Maybe not. (laughs) It is sort of, we're kind of like past the declining point for that one, but there are a lot of opportunities that, that weren't existing before. Think like electric vehicles. Mm. We were not talking about creating electric vehicles in like the 1940s, mm. I assume. <laughs> Technology changes over time. Uh, so these are the kinds of things that you're wanting to, you know, keep in mind as you're as you're working through this. But creating a full persona is really, as as Ali mentioned, is is really what you want to do. And I'd go as deep as possible. Give this person a name find an image online of a person who represents who this persona is. You see a face, it kind of helps you resonate. You're like, like you're talking to like an actual individual there. Um, I have created multiple personas when, you know, you're not always targeting one individual demographic. I might be targeting... As Ellie mentioned, she might be targeting somebody somebody new who's just out of out of boot camp, but she might also be talking about a you know somebody who's self taught but is a career changer or you know on second third fourth career who might feel uh, you know any number of ways about entering the field late. For example, I air quoted late there, um, and, and there's a different kind of topic or a different kind of way you would want to communicate with them. Also, a lot of times you'll see somebody talk about the language that you use when you're communicating with people. Yeah. You want to be, meet them at their level. Uh, keep in mind what, like, the, the, the like, speaking, like, writing at, like, a fifth grade level. But if you're writing to, uh, like, scientists or people with their PhDs, you don't have to write it at a sixth grade level. It's just about who you're actually targeting. And that's why it's so important to do really, really deep research into your demographics.
2: That makes so much more sense. My business coach actually had been talking about this where um, Ali's making a good point when it when you talk about what persona that you're trying to make sure that you're actually like honing in on. When it comes to like who exactly your person is that you're trying to sell this service or product to, you're definitely going to be on another level of where you're not going to want to be able to help yourself Because you've already solved whatever that issue is for yourself. Now you're potentially wanting to distribute that product or service to somebody else. So, where like you might be on a fifth grade level uh, of where you've already gotten your life together with whatever problem that you just solved for yourself. And now you're wanting to distribute that to a person that might be on a third grade level, quote unquote, very, very big air quotes where they're still trying to like flop around and figure out like what they're trying to do. And so they're coming to you as the subject matter expert to actually go and see like, okay, how can this person be available to solve my problem with their service or product? And then that's when they're able to kind of take that step up to where you are after they've gotten that problem solved as the fifth grader and then kind of go from there. So yeah,
0: Exactly. You're not your target customer. You might be at the very beginning. You might be solving a specific problem that you have, but once you've solved the problem, you are no longer your target customer. It is somebody else, unless you're creating a product just you know for you to sell to yourself. Then, by all means, be your target customer. But usually, you can't scale like that this. Way. No, there are no, only no. so many. <laughs> like our
1: new floppy disk company. That's pretty much just
0: exactly. That. What are we gonna call it?
1: Ooh. Um, uh, like floppy bird. Oh, no. You remember floppy bird? Like oh yeah. I love it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's just like a little bird flopping around. That's
2: beautiful. Oh, <laughs> I love it.
0: I love it. Okay. So next, next section is the competitive analysis. Uh, who are your competitors and you want to learn everything about them. And let's start with who your competitors are because I work in e-commerce I know a lot of businesses that are just getting started, and I see two big mistakes. One is, this has never been created before. I don't have any competitors. Wrong. And two, my competitor is Amazon. My competitor is Nike. Oh, God. When you're just getting started out, that is not your competitor. You have various levels of competitors. You have your dream competitors, which might be Nike. But if you're just starting out, you're going on, again, who is on that same level as you? Who is a little bit further in, uh, you know, like Allbirds or Adams? I'm I'm on the topic of shoes now. Um, (laughs) You might be more so competing with like smaller shoe brands compared to somebody who like Nike, who has this, you know, huge marketing budget, huge customer base, things like that. Um, It's also important to remember what type of competition you have. So... There's not necessarily, there are two different kinds of markets. There's the market where there's a finite number of people who can purchase a product. And that means that if you enter the market, you're going to be taking away from other people. They're your direct competitors. Oh, okay. But you also have infinite resources or a new market that you might be entering in where you're just providing an additional service that's not necessarily taking away from others. It's supplementing what other people have, for example, it's important to distinguish between those two types of competition because if you're taking away, you have a lot more to sell. You have to, you have to work harder to pull those customers away from their existing loyalty with brands and things like that, that to get them to be tied in. Okay. Um, and I'm going to be giving this away as my, uh, my shout out later. But for example, I'm drinking this coffee from Comet here. I have a subscription to a coffee brand, a coffee collective out of Denmark. I've been getting monthly shipments for seven months now from them. Um, There are local coffee shops. There are local roasteries. There are, you know, coffee subscriptions where they just like source from various, like kind of like they're buying wholesale from other brands and selling that coffee third party. Coffee is not a small business. Coffee is not a small market. And so for a brand like Cometeer to come in, they're changing things up by how they serve the coffee but they're not creating a new market. They're entering an already busy market, but there's a lot of opportunity here, especially in the direct-to-consumer space because people love trying new things, hence mm. why I have this in front of me right now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that makes sense. There are also, you need to consider your future competitors. Once uh, once you enter the market, who else might come after you? Who Who else might be working on the same thing at the same time and you'll be competing against, but they're not actually released yet. You to kind of have to think future-facing as well, what you might encounter. And then you have your tangentially-related competitors. Again, so if you're starting this new company that is a new idea that hasn't been done before, you're competing against what they're already using, even though it might not be the same product. So for example, I might come up with this new way that you can handle um, actually, here's an example, Zapier, or Zapier, however you prefer to say it. It's a tool that allows you to connect two systems and have them talk to each other. It's like, kind of like if this, then that. So if I get an email and it has this, start, this certain tag, or if, I, if somebody fills out this form on this website, I want it to add this data to Slack, for example. You can have those two tools talk to each other. Well, I could build an API for this, I can, or I can build my own custom app to have those APIs talk to each other. Or Zapier can come in and be like, why don't you just use our no-code tool and just drag and drop and connect these things together? I'm competing against the people who are using time and resources to build these things. And so I'm selling to those people as well. Not only am I selling to people who just don't know what to do here or don't know how to code, I'm also competing with the people who are just doing it themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah,
2: that makes sense.
0: Okay. So this is the time when you start to create your SWOT analysis. Do you know what a SWOT analysis is? Sort of,
2: kind of. I thought it's uh it's probably somewhere in the notes. Strengths and weaknesses, and then something about threats and something else with the O.
1: <laughs> Allie, do you know what the O is? I have the notes open, so I could cheat. Okay. <laughs> not, that would not be very nice or honest.
0: Okay. <laughs> so SWOT is S-W-O-T, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, opportunities. and threats. Opportunities. Okay,
2: I looked at the notes finally, so.
0: So you can divide this into two sections. Strengths and weaknesses, these are internal to your company. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Opportunities and threats are external to your company. What opportunities exist in the market? Is this a new space that I'm entering in? Is, is there new potential for other technology to enhance what I'm building that more people would want to build? Or use like let's say I'm creating a car battery. There's more. There's more movement towards you know electric vehicles and things like that. So this could be a good space to be in. For example, that would be an opportunity. Right. A threat is also external. So what else is the market doing? Uh, A really big. If I you know I put together two SWOT analyses. Well, uh, during 2020, one of my uh, one of my threats was the pandemic. Right. Are people spending money? People are cutting back on spending their money. And so I might lose customers or lose clients because of that. So uh, the SWOT analysis is also something you want to be continuously updating. I'm really weird. I love creating SWOT analyses. I feel like it's just like this nice, like high level overview of like, this is a, this is the big picture of what I'm working with and I'm just consistently updating it.
2: I've done SWOT analysis for myself to kind of go through like what I want to do in terms of like changing the way that I market my content. And so I I, I see now why opportunities and threats make more sense uh, to see kind of externally. Uh, I've always kind of imagined it as like, okay, say for instance, like Instagram is making you do more... Um, what is it? Uh, uh, Reels, reels, that's what they are. And so for a person that might not like actually like talking and pointing and like dancing with all those like stupid TikTok things, like (laughs) that would be potentially a threat to like how you're marketing on Instagram because you're not kind of going with the flow in that and seeing where innovatively you can actually create, um, what is it, reels to actually like serve as something that people see as entertainment as well as uh, being curious about like the marketing for your business. So that's something that I've kind of looked into, and I do not want to start fucking pointing and doing those videos. I will tell you <laughs> that How about that? <laughs>
0: boom, boom yeah, I hate them um, clubhouse the 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 app the the voice the audio app is a good example of if, if I were to create a, a SWOT analysis here strengths um, it's a really great opportunity for people to use it right now because of uh, we have the technology. It's new. people are interested in do, using this kind of audio space. There's not many competitors in the space right now. Uh, weaknesses. We're only on iOS. I think they're now on Android, but this is kind of, you know, speaking in the past here opportunities, uh, more people are getting interested in using, uh, audio. Uh, the pandemic means more people are currently at home. So we have more opportunities to reach additional people. Uh, we created this, I'm saying we, as if I am, if I am part of clubhouse, right, 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 not. right. <laughs> um, we created this sense of, uh, you have like invite only, Uh, So you have to be invited to get in. So, you know, that drives up interest and wanting to be a part of it. Uh, You know, the FOMO whole thing. Threats, anyone else, these big players, uh, Slack, Spotify, Mm. anyone can, or Twitter, uh, Facebook, anyone can create one of these things and take the idea. Uh, I think there was a Clubhouse chat uh, last year, I want to say, um, with the founders of Clubhouse in there. And one of the founders, I think of Slack, who was like, this is a really great idea. I'm going to build this right into Slack. Oh. During Clubhouse no. chat. So that's a super like high level example of what a, an, uh, a SWOT analysis might look like for Clubhouse. There's a lot more that you can put into it, but all right, I'll stop talking about SWOT analyses now. <laughs> nice. Next section is operations. What do you need to run your business? Uh, this includes both staffing and resources. What partnerships will you need? What vendors do you need to be working with? How do you expect your operations to change as you grow, as, you know, moving forward? Any questions about this section?
2: You, it sounds like you just need to know all of this stuff now. Like, Say, for instance, like, you know, I I haven't even considered getting, like, a video editor or, like, an assistant yet, and so... For somebody like me, that's like wanting to share all this content and things like that's something that I will need to consider potentially uh, for this outline for operations kind of like going forward, what, maybe like three months or six months into the future, like as I grow my business.
0: I think this would be an example of how do you want to spend your time? How much time do you have available? And you I might see. just note down, like at some point, I might need a video editor so I, I don't see. To do it myself. Okay. Again, this is a living, breathing document. You can make changes as you need. Yeah. And you are definitely going to be make cha- making changes to this as you, as you grow because what you think your business is going to be now, you don't know who your customers truly are until right. you're actually selling to people.
2: Okay. That makes sense.
0: All right. Uh, next section is management team. Who are who are the leaders? What unique skills do they bring to this section or uh, to your company? It could just be you. You just talk about yourself here. Um, this section is really helpful for if you're if you're looking to raise capital, uh, if you're looking for investors, because they want to know who you are, what your background is. Do they believe that you are you are the one who's a, uh, able to bring this? Do they see any kind of gaps in your knowledge where you might not be strong enough to actually uh, pursue this idea? Those types of things. Um, you might include, I've seen some people include like a resume as like an, like to an appendix of this business. Uh, yeah. If you like have multiple co-founders, for example, again, that's more for investors. That's not for yourself. Right. Okay. So don't have to do that if you're just starting your own small business, which a lot of people do. I did that as well. Uh, the last section is financial analysis. Uh, again, this is where you're talking about having a balance sheet, an income statement, a profit and loss statement, an operating budget. Most of these things you're not going to have numbers for yet. Okay. The operating budget is the only one that uh, I recommend really getting started on. Um, there are tools, there are templates that help you just kind of like create these things in like Google Docs okay. and in, uh, in Excel. Right. Um, I have a Google Sheet that I've been updating since I was freelancing with my operating budget. Um, there are definitely ways that I can make it prettier and have like a proper document for it. But when I was just getting started, I just wanted to know what subscriptions do I have? Like my Adobe right. Creative Cloud right. or paying for Superhuman or paying for my domain and my email? How much right. do these things cost? And am I on a monthly plan or an annual plan? If I'm, on an, if I'm on the monthly plan, but there's an annual plan, how much would I be saving if I switch to the annual plan? Okay. And is this something that's absolutely crucial for me to run my business? Um, For example, Superhuman is not absolutely crucial. I can use the, you know, Google Mail. I don't have to use a secondary app. So that is something that if I find that I'm short on cash, that is something I can cancel.
2: Okay. That makes sense. That makes a lot of
0: sense. So I keep this document updated all the time.
2: (laughs) Good to know. Okay.
0: So like I said, um, that is everything that's in a business plan. Um, that was 30 minutes of talking about really dry content. (laughs) (laughs) I think you did pretty well. (laughs) Yeah, I think there were some good tips in there. Yeah. So there are all kinds of, like, templates and stuff you can find on Google. If you just, like, how to create a business plan, uh, you'll find a number, a number of things. I pulled this list from, uh, an ink, like, INC document or a blog post or article or whatever Mm -hmm. somewhere. It is no longer open on my computer, so... It no longer exists. It's on Google, though. <laughs> it no longer exists, technically.
2: <laughs>
0: Once we find it, maybe we'll
2: link it into the show notes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Perfect. Um, all right. So let's break for uh, sponsors. And when we come back, it's just going to be a mishmash of all kinds of fun things.
1: <laughs> Yay!
0: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by
2: Dexsecure a company that helps web developers save time by automating repetitive optimization tasks, images, JavaScript, CSS, HTML, fonts, and even third-party assets. Dexecure optimizes them all with just one line of code so you can focus on what you love doing, building new and exciting websites. No matter the device or browser type, Dexicure will always deliver the best version of your website. Visit decksecure.com slash ladybug or enter the code ladybug for one month free when you sign up for any basic or pro plan
0: or try it out with a free account. All right. So when I was putting together the outline for this, I went to Twitter and I was like, what do you want to know about running a business? And I got all kinds of questions, uh, some of which I will be answering here, some of which I will not be able to answer here for various reasons. Uh, These are not really in any particular order. So I'm going to be jumping around, but hopefully it it makes sense. Um, The first question I get a lot is, do I need to raise capital or uh, can I bootstrap my business? Bootstrapping is using your own finances to start the company or starting it without any kind of financing. I started my freelance business without capital because it was just me offering a service. I already had what I needed and move forward. Um, Raising capital, that could be through venture capital. You can go through something like uh, an incubator, like Y Combinator, and get funding from them. You can do angel investing. So these are individuals who are investing in your company. Uh, You can raise like a friends and family pre-seed round. So asking your friends and family for money as well. Those two kind of combine to be angel investing to a capacity. Um, But there are, uh, are different types of investors like angel investors as well um in this again this is a u.s thing but uh being an accredited investor means you have to have a certain uh household income okay for two years okay or i think the other one is having a certain amount of liquid capital like liquid it's a million dollars Um,
1: liquid capital or a salary of four hundred thousand dollars for two years excuse me
0: yeah, it's it's, a, it's lot. a lot. Um and there's a there's a different amount for whether you are uh like filing single or filing jointly with. Oh my god. And other. <laughs> okay. Uh, <it's, laughs> so some companies require you to be in a, if you want to invest in other companies. That's mm-hmm. where this really matters. Okay, that makes sense. Um, okay. Some companies if you're if you're writing a check for 10k, 25k, 50k, mm-hmm. they want you to be an accredited investor. Okay. But there are also things like Kickstarter or you can just start a campaign and anybody can back it. Right there's there are things like Republic that allow you to invest in companies for a much smaller amount that don't necessarily require you to be an accredited investor. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have like five hundred dollars in a couple different companies, yeah. like Backstage Capital. Same. One <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> it's, it's a fun site. I would definitely check it out. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, it does obviously require some additional uh you know money to to play with, in a, in a sense. Uh, to be able to invest in companies. So it's definitely not a requirement. Uh, it's something that's just, I'm interested in doing. So that's something that I've been I've been looking more at doing myself.
2: Okay, that makes sense.
0: I think the biggest question to ask yourself is, do I truly need to raise money? Um, this is something for the super secret company that Rian and I uh, just recently started. We were going back and forth on whether or not we wanted to raise a round for this because mm-hmm. we had a number of people reach out to us being like, we want to write you a check. We are excited about what you're building. We don't know what you're building, but we're excited about it. Oh,
2: my God. Really,
0: really privileged position to be in, to have people you know, just want to write checks there. But yeah. understand that raising capital means that you're giving away some equity in your company before you've even started. When you're doing a pre-seed round, you're setting the valuation of your company before your pre-revenue, which means it's going to impact your, your valuation moving forward. And when you go like the VC route, Mm -hmm. you're now reporting to other people who are dictating the decisions of your company of how you want to build things. Okay, a lot
1: more pressure and sometimes they'll have really crazy growth targets for you. And if you miss those, then you might be screwed as a company. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and they're really usually focused more on like hyper growth because they want to get a return on their investment, which means if you want to like, do cool shit. They might not want you to do cool shit. They might want you to get more customers.
2: Okay. So. Wow.
0: It's just something you need to weigh the pros and cons of, and and you can always decide later that you want to raise around. You don't have to do it right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I feel like this is probably a good segue into incorporation because there are certain like if you want to raise money, uh, and again, this is a U.S. based thing. It's all I know about. Uh. We, are, we, had to, we had to incorporate the business as a C-corp in order to be able to raise capital if we want to at some point. Okay. Whereas uh, my other businesses are LLCs. Um, so <laughs> US-based, again. Uh, you can be a, a sole proprietor, just means that you are an individual running a company. Right. Partnership means that you have multiple founders who are running the company together. Right. An LLC is a limited liability company. This means, or corporation, think. LLC. LLC. I think it's corporation. i it now. Yeah, I, I think, think it it's, is. It's limited liability company. Oh, wow. Well,
1: there you go. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Today I learned. <laughs> um, you have to file articles in corporation to form an LLC. Mm-hmm. And basically what this means is you're separating the business assets from your own assets. So if something were to happen and your business gets sued, they can't go after your personal assets to recover what they're trying to get. It's a it's a form of protection for yourself, especially when you're starting to scale, you're starting to make more money. It's good to form that distinction between you as an individual, as a sole proprietor, and this is your business. Um, It also means that you're going to have to pay an annual registration fee. You're going to have to jump through additional steps to to file your taxes. You'll have a different tax return you'll have to uh, to to file each year. You're going to be uh, having to have separate bank accounts for this as well because you have to have individual bank accounts as opposed to your personal accounts. So uh, there ooh. are a number of things that you have to think through. Um, there are tools that help you file these things. Like I think like LegalZoom, I think Stripe Yeah, has yeah one Stripe has yeah, one. I it costs so. a couple hundred, a Stripe
1: Atlas. Yeah, it costs a couple hundred dollars, but people rave about it. I haven't used it. I've just used like the state filing sites, but... Yeah.
0: I'm trying to remember the name of the one that we just used for, for, uh, opening a C-Corp. So I can link to that in the notes as well. It's, it's useful. Um, I will find it on, on Google eventually. Um, (laughs) yeah, it'll, it'll show up. I gave them a lot of my money and I already forgot (laughs) Um, where you register your business matters as well. So, as we talked about before, all of my businesses are registered in the state of Georgia, the partnership is in California because she started the partnership where she lives, and our C Corp is actually in Delaware. Um Delaware has some laws and it's a little bit easier to start a business in Delaware basically. Okay, okay. And, um, <laughs> Lower taxes, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm determined to find the name of what this stupid company is. While I'm looking for that, we can move on to the next step because uh, this is a question that comes up a lot. I'm curious what you, both of your answers are here. How do you find your first customer or your first client? I, I'm just going to default
2: to what my business coaches have been saying. Like it, It's about putting out there like what your personality is and like what... Um, You are, I I guess, as being the knowledge and source of like whatever that uh, niche is, being trustworthy and making sure that you kind of bring out that content for people to be more curious about um, and making sure that you're putting out there that you're a trusted resource for whatever that knowledge is to be able to solve their problem. Like you're wanting to make sure that people know that, okay, I can solve this particular problem. It, whether, like, you use your personality for that or uh, just different types of, like, marketing ways, I've definitely used Twitter uh, for making sure that people know that I'm out here with my YouTube channel talking about different things about how my lifestyle is, how my uh, transition to tech was, and um, kind of where my next steps are going from there. And then also talking about, like, what my mindset shifts were to change and actually, like, get into tech knowing that, like, I need to make sure that I'm doing these things, but also I have to actually like believe that I can like solve these problems too. So Twitter has been like my big marketing thing. So I don't know if that's uh, true and good, but it's, it's worked for me.
0: Oh, social media is phenomenal. Social media is the reason why I even started my freelance business. I, I responded to a tweet I found somebody saying they needed additional help on some overflow freelance work, and I reached out. Okay. and He introduced me to a Shopify project, and that just kind of blew up to the point where now I have the tap room. That's so, so cool. Social media is very, very powerful. Definitely. Um, LinkedIn, as much as we all hate talking about it, LinkedIn is uh, it's it's a source. Um, polywork. Uh, which both Ali and I advise is also another source. You have a, a link where people can message you and you can, uh, and find work on there as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. There's okay. Good to know. Definitely better filtering on there for people having to actually <laughs> choose what they're DMing you about, so you can yeah sort through that. Nice. Uh, I personally started with doing more. I hate the term passive income because it's a misnomer. It's not actually passive, but you know, creating content on something like Egghead.io where they pay you royalties Mm. each month. So it wasn't getting clients initially. That being said, I then started writing for different companies. And those were all them just reaching out to me based off of my public portfolio of work, whether that be on social media, on uh, my blog, on, I guess, my YouTube exists now, but Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily exist then. And so they would see that and reach out to me. And then I started doing developer advocacy kind of as a service on a consulting level. And for that, I would advertise it on my blog and also social media. But something that I I really want to point out is having a work with me page. So I had a web page on my blog that had all the information about working with me. So basic ideas of rates, basic ideas of what packages... I offered how long deadlines and turnaround would be, what to expect from me. And all that was so important because I was balancing so much that I did not want to waste a half an hour on a call if it wasn't going to be a good fit. And so this depends a ton on your time capacity. If you have more time to do sales, then you might want to be more vague about that so you could negotiate more on the actual. Compensation for something. That being said, at that point, my time was more valuable than the the income in a lot of ways, and so I think having everything up front was incredibly helpful.
0: I love that. I I I post some. I, I kind of like play with posting some of my pricing. My my consulting rate is very public. Um, some of our services through the tap room are public as well, um, but. We're value. We do value based pricing, so we're more like here are what our starting rates are, right. as opposed to here's what it's going to cost. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so, other ways to find your first customer or client: if you're selling a product, have some people beta test it. You can get reviews from them. And you can also get some really great feedback from them, just in general. Um, but they can start to have a start the conversation, get a testimonial from them, so you have some kind of content to work with there. Join some maker communities. Um, they're all over the place, uh, just depending on what it is that you're selling uh, or creating or, se- you know, whatever it might be. Um, do Are any of you members of maker communities?
1: Yeah, I was a part of Women Make for a long time. And then there's one for developer bloggers. So I was part of that as well. Those are kind of the two that I've been part of.
0: Okay. I'm part of like uh, some of like the Shopify partners, Slack, Shop- Shopify partners, Facebook, things like that. Um, and then Indie Hackers is also a really good oh, example, yes. one that you can, That's a good one too. Or you can join and him. we have an episode yeah.
1: with their founder So go listen to that. Oh, cool. Yeah.
0: We'll include a link to that as well. Um, next question, because we've been talking for a while. Uh, where do you bank? Like, how do you create a bit uh, like a bank account? Where can you go? Um, you can go a local bank. So I have a lot of my, my banking at Bank of America, for example, just because I was already what I was doing for my personal banking. Mm. You can go through a credit union. And uh, or you can go like an online bank. So my new business is set up with Mercury, which I've uh, had a really great experience working with. So far. yeah, okay. you get like a physical card and a virtual card. So you can use that virtual card wherever you need it without having to have that other card. It's hand. super
1: nice. You can also just spin up accounts really fast, which I really appreciate. You don't need to wait like a week for a new checking account to pop up or something like that. And they I believe they have invoicing built in as well. I used to oh, be part of that okay. bank that shut down. What was it called? And I used that for years
0: and loved it, but they shut down. So now I'm on to- There was one that I was using before that I forgot the name yeah, of as
1: well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just shut down. It was like BBVT or something like that. It, some sort of business bank. It was really awesome, but I, I've been really enjoying Mercury as well. Have you guys not needed to like send
2: any physical checks or anything like that? I've always been told that, you know, starting with credit unions, because they have like less like fees that are like off the top where you have to pay monthly to make sure that you keep a certain amount, like in your account, uh, you need to make sure that you have access to checks immediately. If you need to do something, uh, get those like local services where you, uh, what is it, Um, get, what is it, nice rates for either like credit cards, loans, different things like that? Is that something that's kind of determined where you've been uh, banking, especially online? Or uh, what are your thoughts on it?
0: I have in the Three and a half years that I've been running the tap room. And then in my freelancing time before that, mm-hmm. I think I've gotten one cashier's check.
2: Interesting. From okay. America.
0: That entire time. Okay. It's just, it's not something that you have to do very often at these points. Most services have moved online anyway. They would rather you pay online, uh, even just connecting like via ACH if you're not paying via credit card. Um, but on that same note, credit cards, uh, business, there are different business credit cards compared to your personal cards as well. Um, I'm not going to preach about uh, being financially responsible. That is not the purpose of this episode. <laughs> uh, but it is helpful having a business credit card if you if you need one. A, having a line of credit. One of the things that, especially as you're as you're growing, so this is not necessarily starting a business. Thing. Right, right. Um, best advice I ever got was when your business is doing well, open a line of credit. Oh.
1: Super smart. You don't want
0: to have to go through the process of opening a line of credit when you need that money.
1: Yeah, because then they won't give oh, it to you.
2: Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. We also have an episode about making sure that you talk with financial advisors from last season. So that's something that we can link into the show notes as well. That was one of my favorite episodes last That was
0: such a fun episode. That was so good. I love that one. (laughs) That's all I'll say about credit cards. Uh, You can get them from all over the place, just depending on where you like to get your credit cards. Um, I I have a business card through Chase. I have one through Amex, American Express. Um, And I also technically still have one through bank of america now that i use it yeah i do For chase months.
1: too because it's where my personal cards are and i think you can like aggregate points or something like that you can yeah, you, you can, can. move so, the points yep yeah that's why i do that
0: um had some questions about taxes and health insurance uh this is not something i wanted to get super into just because it's very hyper specific to the region you're in um there are small business health insurance options they are more expensive that is just the reality of how it is uh, you can go through something like healthcare healthcare.gov if you are uh, based in the United States and it's available where you're located, like in your state. Um there are also some some group health insurance plans that exist for small business owners oh. to kind of like join together. Okay. Um, I just recommend you, you know, doing your research on that. I very fortunate to uh, be on uh, my husband's health insurance for a while. I'm offering health insurance now through the Tap Room, but that wasn't until earlier this year. Mm. So I was already three years into running the company before I started off. Oh wow! That. Health insurance is expensive, yeah. guys. Yeah, <laughs> one of
1: the reasons I did not go full time on my my company. Yeah. yeah.
0: Nice. It is. It's unfortunately something that you do have to figure out at some point. It's a, it's a choice you're going to have to weigh. Yeah. Um. In terms of taxes, follow the regulations in your country and region. If you're in the U.S., make sure you're uh, making quarterly estimated tax payments. Uh, work with an accountant. Yeah.
1: Getting an accountant really is a lifesaver. I personally every check that I get in, I just put thirty percent or roughly a third of it into an account for taxes. And that's roughly what I've been paying the last couple of years. So that's why I saved that amount, but do your math and make sure to put the money aside. So you're not scrambling at the end of the year to get money together for taxes.
0: Um, On the topic of accounting, uh, bookkeeping is a very important piece of this as well. So making sure you're balancing your books each month. You can use an accountant to do this. You can hire a bookkeeping service. You can use something like Bench to do this. I used Bench for a little while until I switched over to my CPA doing it. But I do the bookkeeping for Ladybug, for example. I just do that myself. When it's when it, you don't have so many uh, payments coming in and out, it's really easy to balance your own books at the end of each month. Uh, I recommend using uh, a service to do this, so you're not just you know using like a Google spreadsheet for this. QuickBooks is great for this. FreshBooks is great for this. Uh, you can also invoice through both of those tools as well pay people, pay contractors, run payroll, all kinds of fun things. Uh, So you do have those options available to you. Um, And on the topic of payroll as well, uh, if if your business is set up as an S-Corp, that does mean that basically you're issuing yourself what is in the U.S. known as a W-2. Um, which is what you tend to get from like another company that you're working for if you're a full-time salaried employee, for example, or just a full-time employee or a part-time employee. It's it's different from being a 1099 contractor, basically. Uh, so you have to run payroll. Uh, I love Gusto. I've been using Gusto for years. I would not trade anything for the world. I, I cannot say enough great things about it. They've been wonderful. And I actually set up my health insurance through Gusto as well. Oh, and they really got me nice. set up on... Uh, guideline too, which is our 401k provider. So um, somebody asked about saving for retirement when you're a uh, a business owner as well. Uh, again, guideline is great if it's something that you want to, uh, if you want to start a 401k, um, you can look into things like using a SEP IRA or an individual 401k. Uh, again, US-based. Uh, I recommend listening to our financial planning uh, episode because we did talk about these things. Um. God, I did not get in, get to all these questions. <laughs> I feel like I could just like do it. Maybe I'll just do like a Twitter spaces at some point to answer all the other questions about running a business because otherwise we're going to be here for nine years. Yeah, no, I so, think you should. So. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe we'll do that because getting into hiring your first employer contractor, um, growing, like scaling your business, running it on the side, um, the imposter syndrome that comes with running a business, dealing with the ebbs and flows of payments coming in, how to start delegating work, how to deal with the just overall cash flow. Um, I would need another hour to talk about all of this. Yeah. And I'm trying to be respectful of everybody's time. So <laughs> we're going to move on uh, to shout outs. Allie, why don't you go first? Mine is
1: for Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection. I'm a total perfectionist. And for me, it's been something that I'm really working on to get better with that. And this book is
0: really helping. Hi, right, so I'm gonna check it out. Sydney, what about you?
1: I am actually
2: rereading The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks and really starting to get into uh, what more that I kind of want in my career, kind of want in my personal life with my content. So really happy about that. And yeah, how about you? What's going on with that, Kelly?
0: So I, I spoiled it earlier, but my part <laughs> is, uh, is to comment here. Um, a, an old friend of mine from like 12 years ago, we, we reconnected over Twitter and he now works for this company. He's like, you want some coffee? I'm like, yep. The answer is always yes. Uh it's so cool. It comes frozen in pods. The Wait, what? coffee pods are fully recyclable. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there are ways that you can do like hot coffee or iced coffee with these. So I'm an I'm a hot coffee drinker. So it's literally just like you, you run the pods underwater for like 10 seconds to loosen it up, pop it into a glass pour hot water over it why it's like it's like pour over quality coffee and i am a coffee snob that is really cool i highly recommend trying it i'm i'm obsessed okay so that's cometeer it's c-o-m-e-t-e-e-r
2: very interesting that might be i i know a few coffee friends i'm not a coffee drinker but that might be something that would be a good gift for some it's friends. A fun gift yeah exactly
0: yeah okay all right so uh We covered a fair bit in this episode. Uh, Definitely look at the show notes for the things that we talked about today because there's going to be lots of really great resources there. If you do have additional questions, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, uh, KVLLY. more than happy to answer them just because I did not get to everything. And I think I probably will do a Twitter Spaces after this. You should. Um, But I mean, by the time this episode releases, I will probably have forgotten about it. So (laughs) if you're listening to this episode and you want me to do a Twitter Spaces, just yell at me on twitter because otherwise i will forget so
2: i'll yell at you cool. i'll make sure that i do that
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh i forgot to answer emma's question um emma asked how do you start a po- or how do you start- how do you start a podcast how do you start a company um emma i have some good news for you uh you just listened to this episode and no now you have your answer <laughs> <laughs> <Troll>. all right <laughs> let's wrap this up. If you like this episode, tweet about it. Uh, We'll select one tweeter to win a copy of my book, Start Freelancing Today. I cover a lot of things in the book about starting your own business. It's freelancing focused, but the same things apply, like the same ideas of starting a business apply and are written about in that book. Uh, So be sure to tweet. Uh, I'm looking forward to giving away another copy of my book. I'm really proud of the book. I think it's great. Um, we post new podcast episodes every Monday. So make sure you're subscribed to be notified. We're available on all podcasting platforms. Yes, yes. Uh, Apple, Podcasts, Spotify, uh, all the other ones. Fisher, a couple of others. Yeah, <laughs> all yeah. that fun stuff. CastBox. That's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and please leave us a review. Reviews make us really happy. We want to wanna read all of, all of the reviews together. Yes, very much So. Sweet. Awesome. I'm going to get your book.
2: That's what I'm going to do next.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Thank you. See you next week. See you next week. Bye.